episode 20 of the Press Pass podcast presented by the Press Republican. We are back with quick hits. It's been, what, a month, I think, since we've heard from Kara and Mackenzie, but here we are. How are we doing, guys? We're good. We're busy this week, but we're here. Yeah, this this just feels weird because we haven't done this in so long, but yeah, d- I mean, do you want to mention that we're doing it virtual this time? So it's a little bit different or? Yeah. So this is our first Zoom podcast of Quick Hits because some people have been working remote. Other people have not. Um, Mackenzie and Kara have both been working remotely. Um, I've been in the office as well as Ben Rowe and, and Joe Templio just because we have to be designing uh, the pages at the end of the night. And Joe just comes in basically, I feel like, to make sure Ben and I are keeping our sanity. Um, but you know, it's been, it's been a weird month again. I feel like we've been going flashbacks back into, uh, back into April and March even. Yes. And not just because of us working remotely, I feel, but also because of the surge in COVID cases that we've been seeing of late. So if you want me to jump in. Transition. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so to start off with Tri-County updates, um, earlier this week on Sunday, an eighth Franklin County resident died. Literally all of their deaths have occurred over last month and this month. That's throughout the duration of the pandemic. Um, This person, she was an 89-year-old woman. She's also the sixth resident of the Alice Center long-term care facility to have died from COVID-19. Today, Franklin County reported 143 cases, which I believe is an all-time high in the Tri-County area. And the other thing that's of concern over there is that um, over the past three days, their average testing positivity rate has come in above 4.5%. And what that means per the state's microcluster protocols is that they could be labeled an orange zone which comes with the whole slew of restrictions um, that includes closure of certain non-essential high-risk businesses, think hair salons, barbershops. There's also suspension of indoor dining that would come along with that. So if that is maintained for 10 days and they average out to 15 or more cases over the same period, I guess, um, then that's what's going to happen over there to kind of try to mitigate the spread. I feel like a, a big question that a lot of people have been wondering is how are the local school districts doing as far as COVID is concerned? What what can you kind of talk about regarding that? So right now, um, actually, it was this week, Franklin County schools, after going remotely, fully remote in mid-November, they had started to resume classes. I read, I believe it was in the Enterprise, they reported that I think Saranac Lake and Lake Placid are delaying that a little bit. But what they've been preparing to do is conduct testing should the microcluster protocols be implemented in Franklin County. And the way that it works, and I'll try to get this right, (laughs) if labeled a yellow zone, then within the month following, or no, within the two weeks following, I believe, the designation, you have to test 20% of everyone in person. And if that positivity rate is lower than the positivity rate of the greater community, schools can stay open. Now it gets more complicated with orange and red zones. With orange zones, you need to do 20% over the following month with as much as 10% every two weeks. And if it's nine, if nine are detected in one school building or the positivity rate of a sample of 300 is 3% or higher, 
then they have to close whatever school that is has to close. So, um, but I was told by the Franklin Essex Hamilton BOCES earlier this week that what they've been doing is working with the local health department to set up um, being able to test, um, certifying their nurses so they can test and certifying them so that way they can input that data and kind of just take care of it in-house should they end up having to do that. We're not there yet. We're still several days out, but they are preparing to do that because more and more you're hearing the kind of rallying cry for schools to stay open. Mm -hmm. Since it is such a controlled environment, people are required to wear masks and social distance and that kind of thing. Um, it is, it does tend to be safer than uh, the general community, you know, which where many things could be more um, kind of loose and lax with the restrictions. I think so. And the um, two things that you mentioned with that, one is the whole micro cluster thing. The micro cluster is in a, like micro clusters in a sense are not uh, in one way, I guess you could look at them in a, as a positive and another way it's a negative. The positive to it is there's not just one giant event that's been linked to, you know, some giant outbreak, obviously. But I look at that at the negative side of things. And with the micro cluster is you have all these little cases all over the place. And the way I look at that is you have all these little cases and one little case could turn into a big case. And I feel like there's just more room for potential chaos, I feel, with all these micro clusters. But like you said, hopefully, hopefully the all the microcluster initiative and all that stuff goes by the wayside. The other thing regarding schools that I thought was interesting is schools could super uh, absolutely be a super spreader, but they haven't been for the most part. Granted, right. there have been cases here and there, but for the most part, I think school has served multiple purposes. I think it's given people structure. I think it's given people a way to um, you know, basically have some type of routine that's kind of normal. And like you said, it, there's all the protocols that people have to follow. So in a way it is keeping people safer. Um, so that's kind of been my thought, especially about the schools in the recent couple of weeks with cases going up and people really starting to say like, oh, should schools be in session? Should schools not be in session? I, I, I think as long as the cases can remain down and obviously there's no, uh, no cases that could, uh, no situations where people could be in a lot of danger, then, you know, the schools, schools are serving a really good purpose right now. Well, it is interesting that you mentioned schools because that actually takes me over to Clinton County. I'm not mm. sure if you've heard news. Um, so Saranac Central School District had shifted fully to remote this week after a student intern, a teacher, and I believe an elementary student had tested positive. Yeah. And today, Superintendent of Schools Javier Perez announced that he has also tested positive. He really wasn't feeling well Tuesday, felt a little bit better yesterday, and then ended up testing positive. So um, in light of that, in light of some pending cases they've got going on and a bunch of resulting quarantines, they've actually made the decision to shift to remote learning at least until January 4th. So that's after the Christmas break. And he said in an update that the Clinton County Health Department is, you know, asking them to consider remaining in a remote method modality for another two weeks after Christmas break. So it's interesting to see like how some how some schools are really, I, I don't know if maybe Saranac just wasn't prepared to do the testing portion of things, but they are making that shift over, um, which is, was interesting news, I think. Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's a fine line, obviously. Um, you have to, you know, there, there will be circumstances like that. 
um, where it was Saranac, where they will have to make the difficult decision to go remote. Actually, honestly, in that decision, it doesn't sound like it was as difficult as it may be for other uh, school districts. But yeah, it's a fine line. And I think people are walking it very gently. <laughs> and I know something. Oh. Sorry, Kenzie, you go for it. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, um, you mentioned that the county is asking that they uh, stay closed an extra two weeks after the Christmas break. Um, are they suggesting that for other school districts too, or is it just for Saranac? I know that they really tried to convince schools to do that following Thanksgiving, and there were a few that went along with that. I know Plattsburgh was one of them. I believe Osceola Valley was another. I want to say Northern Adirondack was a third, but not everyone did. It, it was kind of left up to, it's left up to the individual districts, how they want to approach it. I don't know if something like this is going to make them want to shift, or if, like Joey was saying before, the fact that, and, and even something Javier wrote in his update, um, is that the spread is not happening within the schools, it's being brought in. And that's kind of a concern because none of these cases are connected. So it's just proof and evidence of community spread. Um, so that's really concerning for the local health department. Right now, Clinton County has 92 cases. Um, we did break 100 earlier this week. I don't know, I never thought I would think 92 was a great sign. I hope that it's a sign that things are starting to come back down again, but we'll have sure. to see. Yeah, and I mean, the, uh, the interesting thing as far as, like you said, interpreting the numbers, 92 is obviously not good. Um, no. But looking at where it was earlier in the week, I thought personally, after we, you know, we were hearing about the Thanksgiving number, like Thanksgiving would be jacking up the numbers, all that stuff. I thought on Monday with the combination of the Thanksgiving holiday was a week past. We had the Saturday and Sunday where the health departments don't report the numbers, at least in Clinton County. And then Monday, I thought it was going to be disastrous. And not to say that it, it wasn't, but I feel like it could have been a lot worse. Um, judging by where we were at, what the numbers were looking like as they were shifting upward throughout the week. So maybe we've kind of lucked out and dodged the bullet. Maybe people did take the right uh, precautions, but at the same time, it's hard to tell. I mean, because there could be, you know, there could be people who have it and they don't even know. Yeah, exactly. And to that point, I don't want to cause panic or anything, but how many people are avoiding getting tested? Yeah. And how many, and, and that's, that's the other thing too. There's, I've said this all along, there's a stigma to COVID when you don't follow the precautions. When you do follow the precautions and you catch COVID, then it is what it is. Sometimes that's just the way the chips fall. But if you are not following protocols, you had a big gathering or you were part of a big gathering or something like that, then yeah, there's a stigma behind it. And you probably don't want to get tested because you don't want to admit, oh, I made a mistake. And I know that's kind of maybe a harsh thing to say. And some people will probably say, oh, well, look at, look at this guy. He's just speaking from a pedestal. I mean, it is what it is. I feel like a lot of people think that and it's unfortunate, but this is, this is the world we're in. We got to deal with it and you got to try and move forward and be smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learn from any mistakes made, which not to go back to Javier's update again, um, the superintendent of schools, but he said, you know, we all make mistakes with this, but we could all do better. And he, he sure. basically said with people to, you know, not travel around the holidays, to quarantine if they do, to only yeah. celebrate people in their households or make plans to that end, 
you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have to say, we will, I'll bring in a little bit of humor with some of your, I mean, dark humor, I guess, but with some of your COVID roundups of late, I feel like you would do really good now. You, you have the roundup feel going on. You would do really well with sports recaps now. It's the same type of concept. It's just with, it's just with, it's just with COVID numbers and, you know, different things of that nature. But, you know, I'm dealing with more happy things like scores of final game, scores of games and things of that nature, but it's the same concept. So, you know, you might have a little sports writing in your future. Oh my goodness. I did two articles. Those are my first two articles. I've told you before they, they were athletics features and they made me never want to cover sports ever again. Those are the first two articles I ever wrote. For the what, two, what two athletics features did you do? Share that for the people. So the, and all the people I interviewed were very nice. It wasn't the, just the subject matters, not for me. So I attended school at St. Michael's college. Our student newspaper was the defender. And for a class, you know, you have to do x amount of articles per semester and the two i did were our women's field hockey coach became the winningest coach in school history okay what's that word that's a word yeah winningest yeah winningest oh yeah that's a word yeah where you rack up the most number of wins in school history which i don't know the stats so i'm not insulting or anything like that but that could either be oh, cool, or, oh, it wasn't hard to achieve. So I, I don't remember exactly what it was for her. Um, okay. But then I also interviewed our women's ice hockey coach, who I believe was the longest serving women's ice hockey coach in the college's history. And I, I went to school with some, like I had classes with a bunch of like the women's ice hockey team and they weren't known for being the best team, <laughs> I will say. You know, I mean, they're no uh, women's cardinals, I will yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. No, I, that, that's fair. So my takeaway from that is you had two of the most random feature stories I feel like you could have possibly done. And my <laughs> other takeaway is the St. Michael's College newspaper named The Defender is way cooler than Plattsburgh State's Cardinal Points. I just, I, I think the def- if you, if you if you walk up to somebody and say, hey, I write for the Defender, they're going to be intimidated and impressed. If you walk up to somebody and say, hey, I write for Cardinal Points, they're going to be like, cool, man, good for you. So <laughs> that's, what, that's what I would take from that. But Are you speaking I'll, from experience, Joey? <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like if I walked up to somebody, I'd be like, hey, I write for the Defender. And they'd be like, okay, I must talk to this guy. <laughs> but if I, if I walk up to somebody and say, hey, I write for Cardinal Points, I'd be like, okay, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, just My, got, um... got to intimidate sources. My college newspaper was called Pipe Dream. I like that. That's interesting. <laughs> a hope yeah. and a dream. Yeah. It's like a blog. I know. That, that does it actually is. sound interesting. So, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode on just our college newspaper experiences. But in light of, in, instead of that, maybe we'll just shift to what Mackenzie's got going on. Okay. <laughs> um, so, well, I mean... We're just talking about COVID cases. That just reminded me that the city actually closed City Hall to the public um, for anything that's not essential. So if you do go to City Hall, the doors are locked and there's a sign on the door with a number that you have to call if you want to be let in. Um, So just FYI. And (laughs) other stuff that's happening is the city budget. That's basically all I've been covering for them for weeks now. They still haven't decided on a 2021 budget for next year. If they don't, by mid-January, I think it's like the 14th or 15th, 
then the 2021 mayor's budget that we talked about a long time ago um, would go into effect, which was widely unpopular amongst the public, um, quite a few city department heads and also some counselors. Mm -hmm. So that would be interesting. Um, so there was that. I know that, you know, Ira Barbell, he was a city councilor. He recently resigned from the council. He mentioned some familial health concerns. So he had to step down. Um, that sparked conversations about a possible special, special election to be happening next year. Uh, Mayor-elect Chris Rosenquist's seat is going to be up uh, come January 1st when he takes the city mayor's seat. So he is pushing for a special election for his seat and also one that would um, be a special election for Iris seat on the council. How soon would that happen? I think it would happen, I'm trying to remember what the county said, would, would it be around February? Kara, do you remember? So the county one would happen March, April, because the way that it works is it has to take place within. So if they don't fill the seat within 30 days, then the special election has to take place within nine. They have to set a special election within 90 days, I think. And there's some, there's a 120 day deadline in there somewhere. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it would happen in, in March or April. That's actually how, um, uh, the current chair of the legislature, Mark Henry, was first elected when um, Sam Dyer took over the Beekman Town Town Supervisorship. Um, Mark Henry was subsequently elected. So and so Ro Rosenquist's idea... Out, oh, go ahead, Mackenzie. I was just going to say, Rosenquist's idea was that whenever the county did the special election for his seat, they could do it, the special election for the city at the same time. That way the county and the city could split the cost of a special election because that's usually the concern for, for a municipality is that it costs a little bit of money. So... If they could share the costs, do two special elections at one time, then the community could choose who sits in the seat rather than an appointment, which would be the other option. Yeah. I was just going to say, so just when you thought you were out of election season, you got some more stuff probably coming up. <laughs> yes. Super exciting. <laughs> you don't sound it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was going to talk a little. I have a feature gonna, that's going to be in the paper this weekend um, for Biz. It's about Cornerstone cornerstone bookshop which okay. is downtown um there was rumors that it was going to be closing but hopefully the owner is trying to actually sell it sell the space sell the name to somebody else so they can keep it the way that it is so people can still have the downtown bookstore um so i talked to him a little bit about that and how it's been since he took over ownership since 2012 um and then i'm trying to think oh the other thing i wanted to mention too was there's a bagel shop in the city of Plattsburgh now, which I'm really excited about. It's called Plattsburgh Sourdough Company. And I haven't been yet, but I just wanted to get the word out about that because I feel like we haven't had a bagel shop downtown since- um, Bagel Pit. Oh, the Bagel Pit, yeah. And which is hasn't that, been is it in, in the same time. location? Nope, this is actually where Grandma Spanish Kitchen used to be um, okay. across from the, from the Oval, yeah. What happened to Grandma Spanish Kitchen? Did that go away? Yeah, I think they, they did close. Oh, they closed, okay. Um, I, I remember they were a huge sponsor for um, the Plattsburgh, uh, well, the Thunderbirds now, but the, they used to be the Redbirds. I always remember at games, it would be like, this, this presentation is brought to you by Grandma's Spanish Kitchen. Every time, <laughs> every game. <laughs> I love the name of their restaurant. I always thought that was a really cute name. Yeah, I thought I thought so. I thought so. Like that's, it gives, it literally makes you feel like you're at home in a sense, you know, little family vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you got on anything the, else going on, Mackenzie? Um, 
Not really. I, th I think the only other thing I was going to mention is a story I have coming out soon about um, how so transit agencies uh, across the country have cited really low ridership um, mm -hmm. for like trains and buses and things sure. just because of the virus. Obviously, people are working remote now or businesses have been shut down for a while, um, stuff like that. So they're really hoping for some funding in the hopefully will be passed stimulus for them. The, um, the COVID uh, relief bill that the, that Congress is looking at right now. Yep. Um, so anyway, so they've been really pushing for that. And that has some value to us up here too in the North country because of our transportation sector. So I talked to Novabus and Bombardier about this and they are also in support of that bill going through. So something that's gonna be coming as well. But I mean, that's all I have to talk about. Awesome. Kara, do you have anything left? I always have more. Oh, Joey. you always have more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just a few other COVID things to bring up. Um, Essex County continues to have the lowest numbers in the Tri-County area with 62 active cases. That being said, officials said earlier this week that cases have never grown as quickly as they have of mm. late. Um, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo is now doing three weekly mm. briefings, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. Um, earlier this week, he said geographic regions whose numbers show their hospitals will reach 90% capacity within three weeks will be deemed red zones, which come with their own, like we were talking about with the microclusters, their own set of restrictions. That's all gatherings prohibited, all non-essential businesses closed, basically a lot of what we saw earlier this year. Right. And yesterday he spoke about upcoming anticipated U.S. Food and Drug Administration approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine he said if that happened today, which um, when I last checked, it had yet to happen, um, the state could start to receive doses by this weekend, mid-December, which we're coming up on mid-December. Yeah. And he indicated that about 3,700 of those would be allocated to the North Country. Wow. So that's, that's interesting news for us. Um, and earlier this week, a couple other things I wanted to bring up. Well, let's start with last week. So last week, the Randy Preston Road Salt Reduction Act was signed into law by Governor Cuomo. That was named after the former Wilmington Town Supervisor, Randy Preston. He died of cancer last year, but he was a very fierce Adirondacks advocate, and he was very interested in um, reducing the amount of road salt, you know, and the damages to the environment in the Adirondacks. Um, this bill will establish a task force um, that has a bunch of different members on it, environmental organizations, State Department of Transportation, that kind of thing. They will be putting forth recommendations uh, September, by September 1st of next year which will be tested over the following three years in a pilot program, basically aimed at reducing the amount of salt used because that gets into our wells and our waterways and it's just not really good for anybody. So, right. and then on Sunday, there was a police involved shooting in Schuyler Falls. Essentially troopers responded to the Rabidou Street home of 34 year old Kevin M. Doherty. And what police are saying is that when they made contact with him, he allegedly fired a shotgun at them and they subsequently returned fire and struck him several times. Um, they said earlier this week, he's stable at Albany Medical Center. I just checked with State Police Troop B Public Information Officer Trooper Jennifer Fleischman. She said he's still in the hospital and charges are essentially pending his release uh, once he recovers. And the troopers involved were uh, Shannon Saunders and David Rogers. So that's, that's what I have. 
Okay. Well, I think uh, I think we wrap things up pretty good. I'm glad we could finally. I, I'm glad we could finally get back to uh, doing a little quick hits action again. I feel like I, we we just picked up right where we left off. Good good flow. Good via Zoom. Only I only like stepped on Mackenzie once. Like stepped pretty hard, but you know it was <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty good for the most part. I think. I think so. I only like yeah, spoke over a whole sentence of Mackenzie's. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't even remember. It's fine. There we go. Hey, it's better than when my it's better than when my computer went off and said it's six o'clock and totally broke up your like whole thought thought of uh, just general thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I re- I still remember that. I feel like we need to uh, eventually once we get the like w- once we do a couple more episodes, we'll like to start making drops and forever the drop of you just going thanks Joey will be <laughs> a, an all time drop. <laughs> otherwise so in general just catching up i mean i haven't talked to you guys in what three weeks four weeks i mean how's everything been i'm waiting for mckenzie to go first but (laughs) (laughs) i was waiting for you (laughs) all right so so just when i praised like how we did we just dropped the ball (laughs) as we mentioned we've been working from home um you know during the holiday season as is evident by the reporting we've been doing um COVID cases are going up. So it's just an extra layer of caution. We are still out in the community when necessary, um, but we're focused on, you know, staying as safe as possible, abiding by as many precautions as we can. Um, But it's pretty much just been busy at home, busy preparing for uh, the Christmas season coming up. Um, Negotiating that with family has also been an interesting ordeal. Mm -hmm. So good luck to everyone involved in that endeavor. yeah, that's that. That's <laughs> that reminds me. Um, I watched SNL this weekend. I don't know if anybody else did. I did. But I uh, Jason, yeah. <laughs> so Jason Bateman was there, and Kara, if you haven't seen this, you need to Google this right after. <laughs> it's but really funny. The, they did a skit called The Christmas Conversation. I think I've watched it about ten times since, and I've shown my parents and my siblings and everything, and we all crack up at it. And it's just basically about telling your parents that you're not going to be home for Christmas this year and their reaction. And it's just, it's wonderful. So my, my favorite was uh, Keenan Thompson when he comes on and he just like tells like his daughter, he's like, Oh, it's no big deal. And then, then his wife is like, it's a big deal. It's like, <laughs> so, you, so you don't love, so you don't love me. <laughs> yeah. It was something like, remember he said something like, um, Oh, you know, we love you unconditionally. And then his <laughs> wife snaps at him. He's like, we love you conditionally, like asking like a question. So funny. Like, just he, I, I, the, the best part is what he. I think he says something like, "Just, just tell me what you want me to say, and I'll say it." Yeah, it, it's just it's a good skit, and I think we can all relate to it these days. That's all. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Good Jason Bateman, personally. So. Did you say you like him or don't? I do. Oh yeah. Do you watch? Have you? I assume you've watched Ozark then. I've watched some episodes of Ozark. I've more so watched like his comedic roles. That's where oh, I really interesting. I've watched all yeah. of Ozark. It's it's it was slow at first, but I thought it was really good. And I'm I'm really excited for the. I think I think there's one. I think they're doing. I know they're doing another season. I think it's supposed to be the last one. And the way the last season ended, oh my god, uh, it it was chaotic to say the least. That that show is just pure chaos. So I like it. Yeah, I've I watched haven't. Episodes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I haven't seen it is all I was gonna say but I've heard really good things about it that's it I've, I've watched a couple episodes and then when I when uh Justin's watched it before when I've been in the room or walking by yeah it's normally 
some bomb is being dropped plot wise. So there trying to choose carefully. Oh well, no! Uh, Meeting has all, a time. It's all good. Well, on that note, yeah, we're just going to sign. I think that's perfect timing. We just we just saw that we're we're about to be running out of our our Zoom meeting, so I feel like this is a good time to sign off. But guys, this was fun. I'm glad we could like hop on Zoom and just kind of get back to some normalcy. Me too. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, we will be back shortly with Jola Templio and Ben Rowe. And for now, Quick Hits is a wrap. And we are back. Editor-in-Chief Jola Templio, Night Editor Ben Rowe. I'm Sports Editor Joey LaFranca. Here we are, guys. Joey Bats. <laughs> ben? I am off my phone this time. Yeah, unbelievable. Last week he was on his phone for 10 minutes. I know. He, we we got to cure him of that. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, while we get going here mm-hmm. this week, go Army, beat Navy. Okay. I don't think my grandpa would like that so much. Oh, no. My grandpa's a Navy man. That's the big game. I know. Saturday. That, that is a big game. What about the Air Force? They're out. They're out. All right. <laughs> They're out. The Army-Navy game. One of the most historic rivalries in all of college Absolutely. football. All of sports. Yeah. Um, they play, it's the last game of the season every year. It's usually played in a neutral site, either Philadelphia or Baltimore. Of this year, they're playing it at West Point. Okay. Which it hasn't been played there since the 40s. I That's think. pretty awesome. I didn't actually know that. And um, uh, it's, uh, like I said, it's a historical rivalry. My father is a U.S. Army veteran every year. We used to look forward to watching that game together. And in 2004, I was fortunate to go with a bunch of uh, my brother-in-law and a bunch of friends uh, to the game in uh, Philadelphia. Okay. Um, Army lost, but <laughs> that was a quite a sight to see. Oh, I'm sure. Cadets and midshipmen all in full dress um, sitting together. Uh, I was surprised. I walked by them. And, you know, on TV, you see these young strapping men in their, sure. their uh, Army grays and their midshipmen blue. They're kids. Oh, I know. They're just kids. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they're so young. Yeah. And uh, to think that they're going to be the future leaders of our military forces, uh, uh, it was inspiring. Yeah. Do you ever watch old football video and then you see the new football video just like you watch any game today and you think to yourself, were they bigger back in the day? Like, what is going on? I don't know if it's just the combination of they wore bigger pads uh, and yeah, things of that nature, but everyone looks so much bigger back in the day. I don't know what that's <laughs> about. It's like, did we all, like, have we all shrunk? Like, do we not, are we not the same size anymore? I mean, the guys are, we all know, like, just in general, people are stronger now than they were back then, but. Back then, they just it looked like they were huge. What was the name of that guy you showed me? The guy that just pile drives people. Dick Buttons. <laughs> <laughs> that that was yeah. That was uh. He's what what is the uh, what was his nickname, Joe? Uh, the monster of the midnight. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, anyways, go army, beat navy. There we go. Ben, you got some look back stuff that you want to hit on. I do. Is that I heard there's some good stuff this week too. That we are taking a trip back in time. I want to get a consistent schedule for this. I think I have. I think we did the second week last time. But either way, we're hopping on the time machine. We'll start going back 25 years to 1995. Joey heard a little bit about this one. but So it's around Christmas time. I probably remember this. It's around Christmas I don't, time. I don't remember North this. Country computer sales experts agree the number one thing to keep in mind if buying a computer this Christmas is education. 
what you want, what you need, and what is available on the market. Whether you want an Apple or an IBM type of machine, you want to do a lot of research first. That's exactly why Plattsburgh High School teacher Barbara Wagner did before she put money down on her, on her Power Mac. Wagner <laughs> said she wanted the machine to do homework and home finances, and most of all, it needed to be DOS compatible. I think they say with DOS, but which yes. means it could be used with IBM programs. Jeffrey Recor, president of Mr. Computer on Margaret Street, says he'll want something that's Pentium-based, or at the very least, a high-end 486 system. 486 refers to the computer speed. Man, buying computers was way more complicated back then than it is nowadays. <laughs> and it's crazy. That's not that long ago. No. Nowadays, you just um, just go get your Chromebook and you're good to go. <laughs> but a question that I always like to ask people and I always find fascinating is, and you can each answer separately, is when, what's your first memory of a computer, of a home computer? Joe. I remember in, I was in college, uh, probably would have been 83 or 84, um, a classmate of mine, um, we had a lot of English classes together. He had, wasn't really a computer, it was a word, electronic word processor. Okay. Um, and he could write his papers on that and, you know, make deletions, corrections, and everything. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. The first computer I got was 1986, was a Commodore 64. Yeah. Yeah. Legendary. Uh, hooked it games. up to the TV. Ooh. <laughs> really? Used the TV as the screen. And uh, that's that's what started me in computers, anyways. That's... Now, now I know the name, but it had a mouse, or what was it? it? Had a keyboard, obviously. I, you know, I can't remember if it had a mouse or not. <laughs> had a joystick. No, it didn't. Have <laughs> it was that. actually a brick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it had a mouse. I think it was just a keyboard. It's Interesting. Yeah. yeah. My first computer was a, uh, a Mac. It was a Mac. Oh, geez. I can see it. It was black. It was old. It was like a really, like, first first couple Mac laptops. I can't remember what the actual name of it was, but that's what was that's what my dad and mom used and when I had to do homework on things. That would be the first thing I used. But whenever I was in school... Did it look like egg-shaped? No, it wasn't. No, 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 no. It, it wasn't, wasn't a colorful yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It was, no what were it those called? I think those were Power Macs. I'm, I'm it, almost sure. It, maybe. Something uh, like that. I don't know. It might have been something like that. But it was funny because we would have, my, my dad is still is. He's huge on everything Apple. Uh-huh. So at home, <laughs> it was Mac, you know, Apple everything macbook yeah so that's what i have i mean that's literally what we were <laughs> recording, recording this on now um but um even back then he was an apple yeah so dude. but it was funny because <laughs> I, I i am so uh what was the word uh verse is that like um, well verse yeah well verse thank you <laughs> on um on so many computer systems because when i'd be in school everything would be windows yeah. like so i would have to do that and it would be it would be tough when there would be situations where we would 
uh, I would have a school project and then I'd take it home and start working on it and I'd be I'd say to myself, wait, 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 where is this? Where is this? Oh uh-huh. no, it's not in the same because nowadays it's it's kind of similar. Like right, right. you can work your way around both. But back then oh, it, yeah. there was so much divide. It was a different language. It was like you didn't even know where the power button was on one compared to the other. So <laughs> what were those colorful ones called? They look like an egg. Yes. Um, my one of my friends in like middle school had all the schools had them. Yes, I know oh, what you're boy. talking about. They were Mac and it was Macintosh, uh, yes. something. And then they had was it was there a, a G, something? Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not positive. Oh, the iMac. The iMac. Yes. IMac. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yes. That's they had yes. like the colorful shells and the colorful uh, shells. I I yeah. remember working on those. There was one at C, and there was one lab. It was in the middle school middle school area. They were all Macs, and everybody's like, "Why do we have all these?" But it was awesome for me. I was like, I was like this is my time to show. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, because so, there would be teachers, they would be like, we don't know how to use this. So I was like, huh, move aside. Well, and I would just be like, Macs, don't they? Wellsboro had Macs back then. Yeah, and nowadays, like like you said, it's Chromebooks, it's tablets. Well, yeah, nowadays with them. But there was another one, a G, G, some number. I don't know. I'm not sure. It was really good at the time. Back in 1995, a young Ben Rowe. <laughs> received his first computer, and I had At to look three it up. years old? Uh, five years old. Oh, five years old. Okay. Oh, yeah, 90, 90. Okay. I was going to say, you're just dropping computers Not at three? Quite. <laughs> might as well have been. But I had to look it up because I remember it came in a box that had a cow print design on it. <laughs> I remember that. Yes, and that was the yes. the famous gateway. Oh, gateway, okay. Yes. Okay. And it had installed on a Timon and Pumbaa game, which I probably spent like the entire week that we played that Timon and Pumbaa game. So Interesting. Good times. Good I times. I love I love those like old games on that. And I remember the 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 best type of games that I remember playing on uh, Windows, like Windows computers. I would go to boomerang.com yeah. or whatever. It would be Boomerang, the Cartoon Network, Boomerang uh, Cartoon Network. Um, they would have a, a bunch of games. I would play that when I was little. Oh, my God. I played so many of those games. It was Joe a bunch played of fun. Pong back in the day. What, what? As a novelty. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't spend our time sitting in front of darn computers playing he stupid did. When Atari We came, were outside playing. When Atari came out, you were playing a hockey Atari, though, weren't you? Once in a while. Yeah. 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 I remember, by the way, remember when we were having a conversation about Atari, not on the podcast a couple weeks ago? Keystone Cops. That was the game I was trying to think of. Okay. That game was awesome. You would have to go up the levels and get the robbers and avoid. Oh, it was great. Loved it. (laughs) At the same time as young Ben Rowe was playing his first computer, Governor George Pataki was visiting the Bombardier railcar plant here Friday. Promising to do whatever he can to help the company land more multi-million dollar contracts. Now, Joe will probably remember that this was around the time that people were doing all they could to attract business to the former Air Force Base. And Bombardier was, if not the first, a very early adopter of the Plattsburgh Air Force Base. So I think it's funny to see what still is and what could have been from back then. Is that it's like, all right, open for sale. Everybody come. Yeah, that, that was one of the, that was right at the beginning. I don't think the base had even closed yet when they were courting Bombardier, which is not actually on base property. Um, but Interesting. it's close to, it's in the south end of the city in a big track of land that was ready for, 
available for development. I remember Clyde Rabbit, who was the mayor at the time, he told this story about how the Bombardier people called at the last minute and said, we want to come tomorrow and look at the property, yeah. which was just a, a messy, empty field. And Clyde was like, oh, no, we got to show them that this is, like, shovel-ready. So he <laughs> called the public works guy, Kevin Murphy, I think it was at the time, and said he had him overnight bring a crew out to plow a path, because it was, it was in the winter, <laughs> plow a path through the snow so they could get to the site and fix up, spruce up the site as best they could. Did they put down a red carpet after they popped? <laughs> they would have. They would have. And um, I remember it was, he said, oh, it's the middle of the night. And then they were like, uh, and they was like, come on, we got to do this. We got to do this. And the Bombardier people went and they saw it and they're like impressed and they decided to come here. Sure. So and that that kickstarted a lot of the uh, future development uh, from the base. Oh my God, it's disgusting! Get over there, fix it, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> what an eyesore. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. That's 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 uh, that's impressive. That shows you how concerned they were about like we have to attract businesses there. Mm-hmm. We've lost the base. We have to attract everything we can. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that became that was the impetus for the what we now know as the transportation cluster. Yes, uh-huh. um, in the area with Bombardier, Nova Bus, uh, Prevost, and all the uh, suppliers uh, that yes. go into that, industry. which again persists to this day. So. You bring up transportation cluster, I've got a good story. Ooh. So, I'm the sports editor. I do sports. I write sports, like sports, all that fun stuff. But in college, okay, journalism three hundred eight. Uh-oh. Reporting and news writing. Uh-huh. Okay? Not, Joey was not looking forward to this class. <laughs> First day of class, we get beats assigned to us. My beat is the development corporation. I go to myself, what the hell is this? PDC. <laughs> and I said, all right, well, <laughs> I'll call them and tell them I got it. Basically, the whole point of the class was to write stories. Um on a beat just to kind of get used to talking to people over and over again, generate story ideas and cover some place of business or something. All the, all the beats that were handed out to us were nonprofit companies of some sorts. So I got the development court. I said to myself, I don't know squat about business or anything of that nature. So the first day I call the development corp and I say, hi, um, I'm Joey LaFranca. I'm a student at Plattsburgh state. I've been assigned uh, to cover your business. And I'm thinking to myself, they're probably going to say, who the hell are you? So the person says, hold on a second. I'm going to pass you off. So a woman named Joanne Nolan picks up the phone. She was awesome. She told me, she's like, oh, is this for this class, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So throughout the whole semester, I covered the development corporation. And Joanne was awesome. My first assignment was the transportation cluster. Yes. And I had no idea what that was. And I was probably the most idiotic person doing some of these interviews. But by the end of it, I knew exactly what the transportation cluster (laughs) was. And now to this day, anytime I hear transportation cluster, I immediately think journalism 308, having to call the (laughs) development corp, explaining who I was, sounding like a Nimrod, and basically pulling off a magic deck. So... You read all my sports stories, but if you want to go way back, you can read Joey's take on the transportation cluster. 
just great branding. I mean, if they called it the Transportation Group or the Transportation Corps, yeah. you know, no, it's the Transportation Cluster. <laughs> the first yeah. the first day when I, because I, I asked, Joanne was like, so do you have any story ideas or anything like that? I said, no. And she goes, what do you know about Transportation Cluster? <laughs> I said, just the word transportation cluster. <laughs> so she's like, I'll teach you about it a little bit. You can do a story. She's like, you have so many different people you can talk to. So I did, and it was really cool. But there's my transportation cluster story. Yeah. <laughs> well, going back a bit further to 1970, a story that still resonates today. The local police force is one of the most powerful weapons against the spread of communism in the world today. <laughs> says Jerry Kirk, former undercover operator for the FBI. Kirk, speaking before a meeting at Mount Assumption Institute, condemned all attempts at naturalization or federalization of the police. Instead, he said, I would like to see the handcuffs removed from local police because they are one of the most important groups the communist revolutionaries feel they must destroy. He posed several blocks to what he called the communist revolution for social rights. Now, I just think it's interesting that I would like to see the handcuffs removed from local police. That to think that 50 years later, we're still talking about handcuffing the police and defunding the police and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I always like to bring up to the 70s is that it was a time of great change. And if you go back and you read it, you find that people are still calling for great change. It's all, today. Si- it's all cyclical. It yeah. is. It's and a never-ending cycle. And I'm sure that even, you know, Joe LaTemplia still sees echoes from, as you've always said, you know, hearing Nixon resigning at the baseball game and that kind of thing. Is that, it's like if you go back and you read the past, you understand the present a little bit more. Well, that stems from that era, late 60s, early 70s, when that's, I think that's when the term pig was coined for, you know, anti-cops. Mm-hmm. Um, pig, fuzz, whatever. The, um, whatchamacallit, what's that, um, cop show with the two, um, uh, Starsky and Hutch or that yeah. kind of thing is that, you know, yeah, the fuzz and that kind of thing. And <laughs> Bogies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that sentiment, I guess, has been around quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, but as things just, change, more things, they stay the same, as they say. Absolutely. And no, and it's just every once in a while in the 70s and 60s, I'll read something that's like, wow, that could be like... <laughs> We could copy that, paste that quote in today's newspaper, and it still, still resonates. So I always yeah. find that interesting. Oh, absolutely! You know who the most corrupt cop is? I always will say this: Roscoe P. Coltrane, Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a Dukes of Hazard. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then let's see. There weren't too many. Well, I guess one thing is real quick. Back in the seventies, there was a show from a guy over the strand where they made such a big deal about. The black lights and the psychedelic lights <laughs> and the kaleidoscopic lights and it's like yeah psychedelic. But back it's then, too much. That was that was like oh man, and I still remember like getting like my first black light post from Spencer's gifts and that kind of thing and how you you can't black light will always be cool. Sure. Fifty years from now, hundred years from now, and, people still uh, think black lights um, are cool. Kaleidoscope or whatever it is. Kaleidoscopic lights. Yes. Yeah. I, when I was a kid at the amusement park in my town, they had this ride. I forget what it was called. It was uh, basically a scrambler mm-hmm. with uh-huh. a big dome, and they had the lights <laughs> over the dome, and they always played Fire on High uh, as the music, okay. <laughs> which was really cool. <laughs> and they had lots of flashing lights. Yeah, and yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I always miss? The light shows at... I always the light shows at Plattsburgh State hockey games back in the day. 
they oh, had those light shows at the high yes yeah oh they were amazing <laughs> and then they took it they don't do them they don't have them anymore laser those beams were, and oh yeah they had full on uh, i will show you a video of like a light show for last back year um at the uh girls hockey final four which was held it, at like classes, classes yeah they had a light show that's awesome that'd be yeah that's cool oh it was great like you have you have mad dog you have mad dog the announcer going here are your cardinals and it would just be <laughs> lights <laughs> everywhere <laughs> oh it'd be, it would be awesome <laughs> and they'd have the little spotlight on plaster state coming out and when you're like five or six years old and you're at a hockey game and you got like a Texas cookie and a Pepsi and yeah. there's a light show going on. Like this you're living. You're, you're, cl- <laughs> you're cloud nine. Well, I still remember my memory of that is watching Chicago Bulls games back in the day when oh, they played it. Absolutely. Yeah. And they had the spotlights come on. Yes. And then they ran out of the The Michael Jordan theme. Yeah. That song is... I didn't even like the basketball that much. That song is called Cirrus. Yes, that's what it's called. Yeah, San yeah. Jose Sharks. The one they put the shark down? They come out of the shark's mouth. <laughs> yes, that thing is so... That thing is yeah. so have you ever seen that before? No. Oh, we're gonna have to sh- they actually have like this gigantic shark that, they, they lower that it down. lowers from the ceiling and like uh, the skaters like skate out through it. It's really funny. No, my my cardinal memory is them coming out to um, U2, um, what is it, um, where the streets have no names. Yes. Like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one, that one was cool. That pumped me up. So yeah. They got to bring back the light shut though. Oh, yeah. No, that... Man, when they had those, those was awesome. But keep going with your looking Let's back. Say. I'm just reminiscing. I'm, I'm so, looking back in my own memories. <laughs> Twenty, well, 25 years back from there, in 1945, things were a bit less rosy. A good time. Edward B. Hillis of Glens Falls said he's still looking for the $20,000 he tossed out of his burning house Wednesday. <laughs> Hillis, whose home and salvage yards were lost in the blaze, with a loss estimated $200,000, said the money was in $1,000 bills in, the, in a leather wallet in the coat. He said he kept the cash at home because he had lost $28,000 in the 1930 bank crash. And, quote, since then, I have never put money in banks. Now, a couple uh, things. One, I like the fact that they just refer to it as the 1930 bank crash. Yeah. It's like, we all know what bank crash that was but back then. It's just, oh, yeah, you know, back in the 30s. Triggered the Depression. It did. But then to think that here's this guy that kept $20,000 in his coat. <laughs> It's like, all right, yeah, I'll just keep them in a wallet here. And that that's was $20,000 in 1945, Muddy. <laughs> Where was that fire? Glens Falls. Glens Falls? Uh-huh. Ooh, I wonder if the money's still around somewhere. Yeah, I mean. All right, folks. Can you imagine? I'm just going to see myself, Ben, and Joe just out in Glens Falls. Right? Where's, where's the money? <laughs> Have you guys seen a jacket hanging around anywhere? <laughs> But to that guy's credit, I suppose he had it in an easy way to toss it out the window if sure. he needed to do. So it's like, I'm the guy, get the money, fling it. I don't care about myself. But. That's so bizarre, though. Well, I that's mean, how you hear about people putting it in coffee cans and bur- yeah. burying it. In a Maxwell House coffee can or yeah. something. Yes. Yeah, put it out of the mattress. <laughs> that's, that just shows, though, like how scared people were even after the bank crash. What, 15 years, 15 years later? And mm-hmm. they still didn't trust things. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. So I always think of, you see, um, what is it, the... Um, it's guaranteed, they say at the bank, by like the, not the NTS. FDIC. Yes, FDIC. Up to $100,000. Yes, it's the fact that that's from that. That's the government yeah. saying, yo, don't put it in the wallet in your coat. They didn't, put they it didn't, in the bank. They, they didn't have online banking then. <laughs> no, no, they had jackets and wallets. <laughs> did, they, did they have, like, checks back then? Uh, I think they did. I would assume. They, that, they definitely was, didn't have was, cards, that's for sure. Yeah, no cards. <laughs> or it was everything cash. 
No, here's a good question. I mean, I know, I mean, I know, Joe, you weren't alive then. You weren't <laughs> yeah, alive. No, I was. <laughs> but here's a good question. When did you open your first bank account? Um, mine was actually late. I didn't open anything until I think my junior year of high school. That's about the same for me, yes. Oh, okay. Freshman okay. year of I think I was college. seven or eight. And your mom oh, really? Was my mom. Joe, yeah. I, I, bank yeah, my dad made, when I was little, he made, like, an account that actually, like, I we still have, like, together. <laughs> like, he's, like, the, the what do you call it? The It's not, like, a trust fund. It's just, like, he kind of oversees the account. Yeah. Um, his name is still on it. But, like, it was eventually, like, for later on, like, I would just have it in life. Um, I think I still have like a Gerber <laughs> baby. Account yeah, I, I, I there's I have I had something like that, but I didn't open a bank account until I think I was a junior in high school, mm-hmm. or something like that. And I have written a check and for the longest years. for the longest time for the longest time I always just carried cash too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it probably wasn't until yeah my junior or senior year of high school that I like had a credit card or anything yeah, like that. I, I, I mean it's hard to get a credit card too like you can't just like you can't just go to the bank and be like hey sign me up for a credit card they'll, they'll give you a credit limit of what 5 bucks if uh-huh. if you're if you don't have any credit well, you're better off without yeah and that Joe Latempio comes in this room and says hey does anybody have any cash and we're like no yes. we're, we're millennials we don't use cash, cash. I, I mean I still carry cash <laughs> I, I still I still have cash but not not like I not I, I mean I would yeah, yeah I I have credit cards and I mean, with all the different deals that they have on credit cards now, with all the cashbacks, you'd be an idiot not to use a credit card. Yeah, well, as long as you pay it off. Yeah, you. I mean, you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay me money to use my credit card. Yeah, I'll use it. <laughs> but then, one last jump back in time to the glorious year of 1920, we have the story of a horse that was stolen from the stables at the county home in Beekmantown at about six o'clock last night. And with the horse, disappeared a youth who had been at the home but one day. I love how literary the writing was back then. A youth. <laughs> Superintendent Burke said the boy, who was 17 years of age, had been sent to the home on Saturday from Moors. At the time the horse was stolen, he had on a blanket and a head stall. It is believed the boy headed for Chattagay or Malone, as Mr. Burke traced him for quite a distance in that direction, but was obliged to turn back and account of the condition of the roads. Now, I love the fact that, number one, you got a kid fleeing on horseback in <laughs> yes. the North Country in 1920. You have a cop who's presumably giving chase in a car, and but he had to turn back because the roads were bad. Yeah. So bad that he couldn't pass through them. Superintendent Burke was telephoned, has telephoned to all the neighboring towns in the direction which the boy went with the stolen animal, and it is not believed he can get very far with the roads and the condition they are present. <laughs> All right, officers, we have a boy fleeing on horseback. <laughs> Keep an eye out for him. Over the mountainside, into the sunset. <laughs> but back then, you will read stories about the fact that winters would literally, this was way prior to efficient snowplows. Yeah. Winters would literally strand towns, like <laughs> Elizabethtown would be stranded <laughs> by the snow until like it, they it, got it, it plowed or moved something. it or warmed up or something like that. Yeah. And again, I don't have it here, but the story about um, the farmer, Farmers Bureau had a meeting where they said one gentleman traveled all of eight miles to come to the meeting. <laughs> it's like back then, oh boy, eight miles, that's got to be quite a trek at like three miles an hour. <laughs> so just to think again is that, all right, we got to, there he is on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true, though. I mean, you don't think about things like this because we're so far ahead of that time. But 
Why I mean, didn't they just use the snowmobile? That's true. Quick. Didn't get they the have sk- a, they had the skadoo? You know? <laughs> get, the, like get the sled and the huskies. <laughs> Chase Mush. Mush. But as I always say, and we talked about this in the podcast before, I think we talked about it in the solo episode one time um, without Joe, was the fact that prior to the Northway, all the things that we think yeah. of as the back roads now were the main roads. Yeah. <laughs> they were the only way to get around. And then once the Northway came, it's like, oh, well, nobody needs to go up Route 9 anymore. Nobody needs to go up. I, I thought about that when um, d- during soccer playoffs this year, there's construction going on down near the Willsboro exit. Yes. So I took Route 9 literally all the way from here in Plattsburgh down to Willsboro, basically, turn, until, you have to, turn, until you have to turn, turn off onto whatever that road is. I mean, I don't know what that one is, but um, I thought to myself, I was like, wow, like back in the day, like this, this is what they use. Like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. And I, the forest. And <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's not like it's terrible, but it's just not the interstate. <laughs> that conversation, a similar conversation, has been going on since 1960, I believe, about the other way, the fabled rooftop highway from Plattsburgh to Watertown, where they've talked, like I said, for decades about creating a highway like I-87. Oh, another, like another interstate? Watertown to Plattsburgh, um, mirroring Route 11. Um, Mm -hmm. It would be, you know, super super highway, I guess you call it. Yeah. Um, and they called it the rooftop highway because it would go across the rooftop of the oh, state. Oh yeah, I read a little bit. And about it that. would it would um, connect to the ferry, and then it would also have feature a bridge. Maybe it was you know, oh, huge wow. projects been talked about forever. It's never really gotten off the ground. Would um, they have? So would it just be direct, or would they have like off ramps at different areas? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It, would be okay. Just like, it wouldn't just be like if you use this. Guess what? You're going to Watertown. No, but a lot of the communities along the Route 11 corridor are oh, yeah. against it. Mm-hmm. Why? Were, like it would take their their local traffic away. Oh, right? okay. But, like Northway did. Yeah, but you know, like you say, they have exits. Um, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they could use those. Oh my um, God, that would be awesome! Like, so I don't have to like for a frequent traveler to Rochester. I've been pushing for it for years. Yeah, uh, we we'll probably cut an hour and a half or more off oh the trip. Oh my God, that would be awesome! And and I mean, I just think about it going to like a having to go to Messina in like late October, early November for <laughs> basketball. I mean, for a football. Oh, it, it it gained some traction after September 11th. Because um, they were talking about, well, we, we need these routes for military mm-hmm. to get places quickly. Sure. So they did. They put a lot of money into a couple of studies. Um, but That'd be a huge undertaking. The cost <laughs> was pretty much prohibitive. What do you, what do you mean? A couple billion dollars for a couple shells there. You know. Uh, but yeah. I was like, because they were going to have it go from Watertown up Route 11 to, you know, Ellenburg, and then probably. Go on to Champlain Rouse's Point and then go over the bridge there. Have a spur follow the turnpike from Ellenburg down to Plattsburgh, uh-huh. and then on to Grand Isle or uh, Cumberland Head yeah. uh-huh. to a bridge. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that would that would be great. I mean, even it's it's a pain to drive up to like for me like if I have to go cover a sporting event at Northern Adirondack, it's kind of a pain. It is. Uh-huh. It is. Um, that's not that's not an easy drive. No, <laughs> Remember when not. Ben Rowe said it was like took ten minutes to get up to yeah, Northern yeah, Adirondack? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's a difference. Twenty three miles <laughs> from Plattsburgh. Unless Ben Rowe's unless Ben Rowe's going ninety up military turnpike. So a hundred years from now, 
we'll be reading about the rooftop highway, and people will be like, man, remember 100 years ago? They didn't even have that. How, 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 <laughs> how did they how, how did that anyway? start? Well, they talked about it on the Press Pass but no, but whenever I go up Route 9 and I see, like, you know, the, um, what is it, the Macon Motel and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. and just Now think City of the, Motel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And just think of the fact that that's like all those places were booming back in the day because yeah, sure. that's the way you went. Yeah. And you stopped and you stayed at the motel. And, and even the signs are, like, retro. <laughs> they look like they came from yeah. another yeah. era. Oh, absolutely. And it's like it's crazy to think of, you know, these decisions. They have consequences, so... Oh, but on the other hand, not. I'm very glad that we've moved past the place where you can't get through the roads because they're impassable and you have to take a horse to them. <laughs> oh, no, no question about it. No question about it. I had a question for you guys. So we're getting up on the holiday season. So how's Christmas shopping going? Fantastic, Joey. Yeah? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm at the stage where I'm seriously thinking about gifts. Oh, interesting. Which will lead to maybe doing something. About so it. I, I have everything. Done. I haven't wrapped things yet, but I have everything. I I go hard at Christmas. Christmas is like I thrive. I go hard too. I just <laughs> I just go hard on December twenty third, and then you go hard, and then you get done. Two See, days, I, I I break the the male stereotype when it comes to. To gifts, I, I I I get I get ahead on things. Do you purchase them or order them? What do you mean? Are they online? coming through the mail or do you go to the store and buy them? Some of both. This year, more obviously online. Um, there's one thing that I got at a store, but otherwise everything was everything was uh, pretty much online. This Joey Lafranca, support your local shop. I did. The one thing that I got at a local place was I supported it. Trust me. So. <laughs> Yeah, don't say what it is. <laughs> no, I supported it though. I'm. Uh, I was the other day. I went to Target. Um, my wife ordered something for curbside pickup, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know they had. And she's like, "Yeah, go in there and uh, text me when you get there, and I'll I'll hit the order, and they'll come out." Yeah. And which they did, and it was great. Sure. But I noticed the mall was packed. Really? There were tons of people there wow. shopping. Locally, right? Yeah, which is crazy because you know it's not Canadians. I was a little surprised um, because of the COVID, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but there was tons of people there. That's good, I guess. You know where my go-to place is, especially for, like, mom gifts? Home goods. Tremendous. It has everything. That is, like, mom gift haven. That's that's a good idea. Yeah. And it would work for, it would work for your wife and even probably for your daughters. Yeah, even. yeah I was thinking today what I was going to get my wife. And mm-hmm. I think I know what it is. Last year... Probably shouldn't say it here, though. <laughs> no, yeah. probably not. Um, I got last year... I, I like to... Do, I'm not a big, like, get one gift type of thing. I like to get, like, a lot of little things sometimes. I have the same way. Yeah. It's the fact I that... I think it's more fun to get little presents than, like, yes, sometimes one big because thing. Because the whole fun of it is to... Open a lot of yes. things. <laughs> not like... It's it's like, oh, my God, look at that one present. It's huge. And you open it, it's like, okay, Christmas is over. Like, yes, exactly. Like, that's it. But last year, one of the things that I got at Home Goods that was really cool was uh, charcuterie boards for, uh, you know, chopping food up yep. and stuff like that. Yep. And I, Wait, say that word again? Charcuterie. <laughs> I like the word too, and I think I'm saying it right. Yeah. It's basically just glorified cutting boards, yeah. but they're cool. Yeah, 
You can oh, probably, are those the ones you that you, like cheeses you put like little cheeses and crackers? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh -huh. Elegant. Yeah. I was uh -huh. going to get... Don't say I'm not elegant. Uh, I, in, my <laughs> no, family, no. in my family, we just use paper plates and then you're good. So. I was going to get my wife something, but she went out and got it herself. No, <laughs> oh, that's the worst. No. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. no, we're turning. I'm getting you that. <laughs> taco rack. Okay. A taco rack? Yeah. Like the li like we're, To the, hold the tacos yes. up? Like at Applebee's? Have you ever seen those at Applebee's before? It's I've, got kind of, yeah. It's like got four like, slots? Put four okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, well, I don't know. Okay. That's not what Applebee's. Yeah, that but. way your tacos don't just kind of throw right. the plate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is a great gift. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's simple. It's simple. It's like a knickknack type yeah. of thing. Almost. One of the best gifts that I think my mom would say I've gotten her in quite a while is um, those little things. They look like whisks almost, except they're open, like kind of spider and you can use them to like massage yes. your head. Yes, those yes. are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you showed me that last year, and it yes. kind of like I was impressed, but also like slightly disturbed. Yeah, they, <laughs> they look disturbing. They look like a torture device, but my mom picked <laughs> it up and put it. She's like, "Ooh, this is nice." <laughs> it's like, yeah, you see, a, you see, a, you see a, a horror, like not a horror scene, yes. like a crime show or something, like and they, they like probe. they whip this out. And they're like, "No, I'm just gonna massage my head with it. <laughs> it's all, it's all good." I know. I recommend that, and it was like ten bucks. <laughs> So that's interesting. So we got we got myself, who's pretty much done. So you have a, a scootery board. You have yeah. a charcuterie. Head, a head scratcher, and you have a taco thing. Yeah. There you go, folks. That's gift that's all you need. Yeah. For, that's all you need. For. <laughs> Joe, what were you thinking in general for like actual shopping and things of that nature? Do you think like are you gonna go to stores or are you gonna do more online stuff yourself? I know, I know. We've been pushing, like you know, shop local and. Yeah, well, you can you can shop local online. Yeah, sure. And and gift cards. Yeah, are always good. Yes, idea. gift cards. Gift cards um, are always. So good. I might do a little mixture. Yeah. Um, have my daughters order stuff for me. Sure. I almost uh, said what one of the gifts was, but I stopped. It, so <laughs> this is a dangerous conversation. Yeah. It is funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and mostly just. Talking with family, I mean, I've got to be doing a Zoom um, call with my family down in um, Westport and that kind of thing. So, there you, go. you know, I was thinking, and I mentioned this in our Zoom briefing this morning, this weekend, last year, was when I had my little party at my house. Yes. Christmas, and we can't do it this no. year. So I said, I suggested we can do a Zoom party Saturday night. Yes. If you guys want. Yeah, <laughs> we can. Okay. Karen, Mackenzie, and Robin didn't seem to... We will once, once. And then I said, and then I said, well, if we give Ben Rose some Captain Morgan, yeah, <laughs> that'll liven it up. I don't have a problem. <laughs> we will. We will definitely once this is all over, we'll yes. have some. We'll have some great big shindig at, at Joe Love's house yes. or something because that'll be fun. And we still have to. We will at some point. We have to do. We've talked about it forever. We have to do newsroom bowling. Because that was Ben Rose's sport. Yes. In high school. Uh oh. Uh -huh. He needs to show us up. Ace some people. I, have, States, I right? have a bowling ball. I, I have a bowling ball. You have a bowling uh -huh. ball? Yep. It needs holes drilled in it. <laughs> but I have a bowling ball. It'll it just did. be like Fred Flintstone, just yeah. chuck it <laughs> See that would see that would work. And honestly, nowadays it's probably better to have your own bowling ball with COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Not to I have to say I'm really impressed with the bowling alleys because I, I said all along with COVID. No, I, there's been no there's been there's been no, there's been no issues. Um, but, That's true. Uh -huh. Um I'm really impressed because you think to yourself even before the pandemic. I always thought to myself, I never, like, ate anything at the bowling alleys and, like, touched the bowling balls because I said uh -huh. to myself, it's a Petri dish for everything. Uh -huh. um, but kudos to the bowling alleys. They've been doing uh -huh. great. Good for them. And bowling's been fun. But 
Do you know this was the twentieth episode, by the way? I we didn't I didn't do the intro Sweet. on this, so Episode twenty. We've been doing this for what, five months now? Yeah. Wow. Jeez. All during COVID. <laughs> All thanks to you folks out there in Radio Land. <laughs> yes. But I think uh, I think this was fun. But Joe, sign us off. Yep, and once again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we appreciate it, and we, we hope everybody stays happy, healthy, and safe in yes. the holiday season. And we want to wish everybody a little weak side help. Yeah.